Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. If you come to the end of your life and you have even one really good friend, God has blessed your life. I'm very, very grateful to say that I have several, and I have one that is on with me today here on The Leader's Notebook. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. Today's guest is someone that's going to be um, a great um, interest to you. You're just going to love this, and I'm very excited to have, very honored to have with me here today on The Leader's Notebook, the uh, bishop, the presiding bishop of the Pentecostal Holiness Denomination, Dr. Doug Beecham. Doug, welcome to the Leader's Notebook. Mark, thank you so much for this, and uh, uh, thanks for your kind remark about friendship. My goodness, I'm sitting here thinking we're pushing uh, 40 years of knowing each other, and uh, you you are that kind of friend to me. Uh, my wife knows that uh, that if uh, if you outlive me, you're supposed to preach my funeral. And um, I've got it written out for you, by the way, everything you should say. You know? Every single word. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure. It's it's modest and self-effacing, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah very, a lot of humility and, you know, all the stuff I'm really known for. <laughs> Well, for the listeners, Doug is uh, not only the uh, presiding bishop of the Pentecostal Holiness Denomination, he is an earned doctorate, he is also an accomplished author. Among his several books, there is one um, that I, I want to lift up in just a little while. It is called Plugged Into God's Power, and I want to talk about that briefly in a few minutes, but but I want to talk to you about something else today, Doug. Let's, let's talk this. The Leader's Notebook is... Uh, divided into four sections, life, relationships, faith, and leadership. And really, what I want to zero in today is how faith and leadership, how two of those connect. So let's talk right. about what your your pastors or what you think pastors nationwide, I mean, uh, you, you're in touch with transdenominational leadership everywhere, worldwide, you're a world traveler, you and I have traveled together on two continents. So yep. um, what what do you, how would you summarize what spiritual leaders are facing, Christian leaders are facing today? I think uh, we are essentially two years out from the pandemic. Mm. And uh, everyone that I talk to is still adjusting. Uh, I hear different podcasts that I listen to, different people I'm writing or who write to talk about how it, it's not going to ever be the same. And, you know, it's hard to determine what things will look like 10 years from now. Right. Um, I know from my standpoint, over the last two years in particular, it's been this uh, balancing act of, of keeping the big picture, the vision, the, the message of the gospel, keeping that as top focus when everything else presses in, mm. when, when shutdown has become or became the norm and even threats of that in other parts of the world, 
and even in our own our own country here in the United States, that this challenge of of not getting overwhelmed by the immediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think hope hope becomes a a central theme of focus. Um, it has been for for our movement. Uh, Mark, it's really interesting. We uh, about seven years ago we really re-identified ourselves as the International Pentecostal Homeless Church. We identified ourselves with two phrases. Let me sort of burst out of Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 and 3. We're a place of hope, and we're a people of promise. Mm. Boy, that and, uh, that was prescient, wasn't it? Yeah, it really, it really was. And we identified seven core values, and we emphasized one of those core values over the past seven years. And the seventh core value for 2020 was generosity. We prayerfully value generosity. And here we hit, uh, you know, this massive shutdown. A lot of people are employed, a lot of uh, extra money uh, from from the government flowing into the economy. And I'll be honest with you, I really wondered uh, in March and April of 2020, you know, from a denominational standpoint, what's it going to mean? Yeah, yeah, and that could be uh, alarming. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, we had actually several years earlier, we had actually developed strategies that if, if somehow a, a colossal problem occurred in the economy or whatever, uh, rather than if we had to make cuts in our denominational headquarters, rather than doing that on an emotional response basis, Let's take time during the good times to decide how we would go about doing it. So we were already talking about, okay, let's pull those documents out. If we need them, we know the path to take. Mark, the Lord really just sort of, I hate to say it this way, I'm supposed to be a man of great faith. (laughs) (laughs) The Lord's a surprise. And and we had one of the strongest financial years of 2020. Isn't that great? And also here now in 2021. And that's, uh, that means for a denominational headquarters, that means that local churches did well. Isn't that In wonderful? spite of being shut down. I told somebody, you know, maybe we did a better job of teaching tithing and generosity than we thought we did. Good. And, uh, well, it is It is a fundamental Christian value, isn't it? I mean, it's not It's not something you know, peripheral. No, it, it's really not. And, and we actually generated our world missions department. We're in 100 countries, over 100 countries around the world. Our World Missions Department initiated a, a COVID-19 fund to go outside the United States, every penny of it. No money, no money stayed in, you know, in our offices for administrative work from that particular fund. And nearly a million dollars came in. Isn't that wonderful? wonderful. Um, one of our, our, we have a very strong church in Hong Kong, and that church sent $250,000 U.S. dollars. For that particular project, isn't that wonderful? So yeah. we've been able to to help our our churches around the world, uh, and many of them have used that the support they've gotten as evangelistic outreach in terms of food, in terms of uh, medical resources, all that would be needed in their communities to help people. That's great, and uh, it's it's just. I think one of the big lessons I've learned through this is keep the big picture, keep the gospel in front, and 
and and don't let how the world defines a crisis. Don't let that define what we do as the body of Christ. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. It sounds downright New Testament. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah, <laughs> Doug. Let me let me ask you about a, a slight variation on what you just said. So, talk. You're talking about all the plans you made and the preparation and the strategizing and all of that. Where where does um, leadership and administration management enter in. I mean, I think there are voices out there who say either trust God or, or do leadership and management, but you can't blend them. How, how do you, as the leader of a of a large spirit filled organization, how how do you connect those two? I think for me, I always try to remember that the Apostle Paul listed. I think in 1 Corinthians 12, administration is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Mm. And, I mean, we're Pentecostal people. And uh, even Jesus talked about counting the cost. And um, we're not called we're not called to be stupid. Uh, <laughs> I love it. You know, That's not a gift? Yeah. That's not a gift of the Spirit? I <laughs> no, no. Stupidity is not one of the gifts of the Spirit. And, uh, you know, I, it's one thing to be foolish for Christ, as, as Paul puts it. It's another thing to be stupid. <laughs> and so, and, and the other part of that, when you're talking about administration, in many respects, you're talking about stewardship. You're talking, and I don't mean that just, you know, people normally think of financial areas, but stewardship, you are a steward with responsibility over something that, that really doesn't belong to you. Mm, mm. This is, this is, God's work and God and I think you have to find a balance of of not letting man-made systems get in the way of what God wants to do but taking and hearing in your heart uh, okay this is where God wants to, to go this is where God is calling us to and then how does the spirit help us craft uh, the pathways to get there all right, let's talk let's talk about your position personally. Yeah. So there there may be executive listening. Okay, this I'm not, I'm not the 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 presiding bishop of a of a worldwide Pentecostal denomination, but I am the chief executive officer of a plumbing supply company. Right, right. Do you have a word something you say, look in my years of senior executive leadership now in your what you're 70 years old now. So you say, I've learned something I could share with the executive leader of any company, country, or denomination. Do you have something you would say? You know what? I think the thing I would say is keep the vision, keep your purpose as an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, that plumbing company you were just talking about, whatever it is, keep that vision and purpose in front of yourself, in front of and, and the, the analogy we're using in front of your employees, keep it out there, uh, not simply as a cliche, but as something that you as the leader have a, have a really a, a gut, a gut commitment to. It's wonderful. And uh, because I think that is what keeps you on course with the various kinds of ebbs and flows of economies and of uh, personnel. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying this is an easy thing. It's, it's certainly not easy for 
any, and I'm not even saying I've done it very well. Um, but I, I do think it's so important to keep that vision in front. The second part, though, it, at least from the standpoint of ministry as I view it, and this is probably, this maybe, I think it's probably true in the business world, is make sure that you're caring for the people who work for you. Mm. Uh, people want to know that they're valued. Uh, they want to know that they're being heard. You may not, you may not do what they want because they may not see the big picture, but people do want, people can discern, Mark, when, when somebody's sitting down with you or me, they can discern whether or not they have our attention. Mm. It's a, it's one of the challenges, whether you're coaching a football team or as I did serve as the president of a university or whatever is one of the real challenges is fitting it all together, making the machine work, right, but, but right. not allowing the individuals to become cogs in the machine. And I, I think that's a tremendous tension at the executive level. It sure is. And you, you've got personalities and uh, it, it's just, it can be a real challenge. At the end of the day, uh Somebody has to say, "This is what God's called us to do, and this is where we're going." Mm-hmm. And 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 if you're going to be a part of this team, um, this is what we're going to do. And and if you know, uh, you and I both we've we've had to encounter good people who love the Lord, but maybe maybe God had some other place He wanted them to serve. Yeah, they just uh, they just can't. They just can't get on the on the uh-uh. on the team. They can't do the thing that you want and that the team needs. And yep. and at some point or another, you have to. It doesn't mean you hate them. So I, mm-hmm. I love you, but but you can't make this trip with us. Yeah, I, my wife. My wife is director of pharmacy at a, at a large hospital here in Oklahoma City. And one of the key lessons she's learned in hospital management through the years is. Uh, fire fast, fire slow. <laughs> that is a and, great. Uh, I love that. Yeah, that if somebody is is not and, and and she sees what she does as a ministry, and she has said to me, she said, you know what, I am keeping somebody from finding where the Lord really wants them to be, and I'm keeping somebody else who Lord the Lord wants in this spot from getting to this spot. So. And that, that doesn't mean that you don't try to, you know, help somebody learn how to do their job better or things of that nature. But you cert- you reach a certain stage where you say, you know what, this is not working. Mm. You're, n- and and we love you. Uh, we wish the best for you. You know, do all the right things from a human resource size, side. But but you got to get the right people on the team who are committed to the vision and the goal, whether it's whether it's a business or an uh, an educational institution, a local church, uh, or a a denomination. And there's always fallout, uh, even in in the secular business, if somebody is fired or or leaves, you always have some of that. But again, you keep your eye on what's, what's the prize? What are we really about? Doug, let me switch gears a little bit. I want to ask you a more uh, geopolitical question. Uh, you're you're the head of a worldwide denomination, so let me ask you a specific question. Do you have 
churches and leaders in Ukraine? And if you do, how are they feeling about things right now with this massive Russian army on their frontier? Yeah, we do. We have pretty strong work in Ukraine. It's really interesting you mentioned that because uh, literally at, at this time, uh, I, I've been really over the last several weeks in contact with them about a variety of things. And, and you know, what was it? A number of years ago, uh, there were issues in the Crimea mm-hmm. uh, related uh, to the same kinds of, of issues they are facing there. And I, I think the main thing that someone in my position can do is say to that leadership, and I know them personally, I've been there multiple times, is to say to them, we are praying for you. Obviously, obviously, we're not in a position to influence military and, and other economic decisions on, on the political side. Uh, but but we are in a position to say we'll stand with you. Let me give you an illustration of that. In the, in the last episode of conflict they had with uh, Russian troops, uh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of the pastors in in our work in Ukraine became chaplains for the Ukrainian army, mm, but they needed training, and and so a team of our retired uh, Air Force and Army chaplains who had served in the United States military, active duty could not participate, but a team of our retired minister, uh, chaplains almost all of whom were 06s. They were full colonels. They went to Ukraine and met with these pastors. In fact, their spouses went with them uh, because the spouses of these pastors who were serving as chaplains, uh, what they had encountered on the battlefield, the losses, Mm -hmm. uh, what they had seen, uh, impacted their own families. And they, and they, these chaplains had a phenomenal ministry to these, um, in many respects, volunteer Ukrainian uh, army chaplains. People, and so it, a it, lot of people may not know that you, you, your own self, you're a retired army chaplain. You're, yeah, you're an E6, right? You were retired as a colonel? I, I, I was an, I've retired as an 05, a lieutenant colonel. And, uh, yeah, I had 23 years in the army reserves in Georgia, for which I'm very grateful. And I learned a huge amount about leadership and organizations uh, through the United States Army. That's wonderful. And uh, and the men and women I served with, uh, particularly uh, a large number of the of those who were commanders over me, uh, we still remain friends and in contact to this day. Well, there's no so I'm place. I'm very grateful for that opportunity. No place to learn organization and logistics and structure and communication oh, yeah. like the United States military. Yeah, and it, it was a great experience. And uh, but but that gives you an example. I you know most of the time I would not deal with local churches within the issues they're going through in our structure, um, and even in the United States, our our system has has Methodist background to it. And so uh, we have conference superintendents and bishops who handle those, those things. But even this past week, I was on a call with a, uh, the uh, general superintendent of one of our works in another country who's dealing with a particular situation. And, and I'm, I'm there as a sounding board and somebody that he can talk to and help him process, you know, through the decision making that he's got to make related to this particular church and situation. 
So that's really the the level of my engagement uh, internationally. So I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to know most of our international national leaders in the very in the various countries where we serve, and wonderful people. My goodness, just wonderful, wonderful people. Doug, let me. Uh... Before we close out, I want to talk to you a little bit about your book, uh, Plugged Into God's Power. <laughs> Let me read you uh, something, somebody, I'm not sure if it's the official subtitle or if uh, Creation House wrote it, but it says, a totally practical, non-religious guide to the <laughs> Holy Spirit's ministry. That That's an yeah. interesting thing. Totally practical, non-religious guide to the Holy Spirit's ministry. I'm not sure very many people would combine all those words in a single <laughs> phrase. <laughs> well, I didn't write that, but I but I tell you what, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours, Lee Grady, oh, yeah. who probably a lot of your listeners know uh, or would recognize his name. Lee was editing of this series of books that came out, and he asked me to write this book on the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, what do you— how do you want me to approach this? And he said, he, he knew I you know, was served as, a, as an Army Reserve chaplain. He said, write this as if you were writing it for people who really don't know anything, hardly anything much about Christianity, much less about the Holy Spirit. Church members, in other words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and so it actually became a, a, a fun book to write Good. because I wasn't, even though it's theology, I wasn't writing it as a, you know, a, a textbook for a theology class. I, I had people in mind that I had served with in the military, mm. good people. Uh, but I was trying as I wrote this to say, okay, how would this person understand what the scripture is saying about the work of the Holy Spirit, the person in work? What a yeah. wonderful idea and a wonderful book. I. I want to recommend it to all of you that are listening. It's called Plugged Into God's Power by Dr. Doug Beecham. Yeah, they should be able to get it at Amazon.com uh, or Charisma House. And uh, it's about 20 years old now, actually, Mark. It's, it's, it's a little bit older book. I, I want to tell you this. What really surprised me, I, I would get uh, messages over the last 20 years from different groups of people outside my own movement. Um, I, I heard of Methodists and, and Lutheran churches that were using this book as a study book in their local churches about the Holy Spirit. It's perfect for that. It's just perfect for that. It, useful to those who grew up in the Pentecostal world and the broader Spirit-filled world, but it's also a book that is practical, down-to-earth, understandable, approachable. It's, that's the, it's, a, it's approachable. There's nothing about yeah. the book that puts people off who have no interaction at all with the with the spirit-filled world. Thank you. Thank you for that. Doug, uh, our heart goes out to your people in the Ukraine, and yeah. uh, and I, I really do um, pray that God will continue to lead and guide you in your worldwide leadership. I, I pastored—the last church I pastored was a megachurch in Orlando— and I've pastored churches that were tiny little country churches. And I think to myself, all that I struggled with was challenged with pastoring one church. I cannot imagine what it's like to have thousands of churches and pastors who expect you to do something for their problems. Well, thank the Lord in our system. They've got uh, judicatories between me and them. 
And my job is to equip and inspire those other leaders who deal directly with them. So you're a leader, a leader of leaders. Yeah, really. In in essence, that that's what it is. And uh, the Lord's uh, been uh, very gracious uh, to me, Mark, far far beyond what I in any way deserve. And uh, and He's given me people in my life like you, who are constant inspiration and a source of knowledge. Um, I'm. You know, I'm reading through two of your books right now. I'm reading your most late, your latest book about prophets and kings. And I'm going back and I'm reading a book you did maybe a year or two ago on David. Oh, great. And uh, so uh, every, just about every evening, I, I read a, a few pages out of both of those as well as some other books just to uh, keep myself alert and continue to grow. Well, thank you. So thank you. Thank you, my brother, and thank you for being with us today. I, I appreciated your friendship through the years, your professionalism. I, I've seen you lead and live, and I see your marriage. I, I know who you are as a person, and it never has failed to to touch me that God would put someone like you into my life. I'm grateful for it, and I'm grateful for your worldwide impact through the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thanks, Mark. Blessings to you. This has been Dr. Doug Beecham. We've been interviewing. He's the author of Plugged Into God's Power. He's the general overseer, the uh, the presiding bishop of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church, a wonderful man. I urge you to get his book. And I hope that until we meet again, that you will pray for ministers everywhere. There are ministers that are facing maybe not a Russian invasion as they are at in Ukraine, but there are ministers that are facing challenges, hardships, difficulties, trying to hold together a congregation of people that are living in a shaking and shaken world. Pray for your pastor, and if you haven't been back to church yet, it's time. Go back to church. Church on your living room couch is not quite the same thing. Go back to church and tell your pastor how much you love him. Until we meet again, this has been The Leader's Notebook, and I'm Mark Rutland. As you may know, I also serve as the executive director of the National Institute of Christian Leadership, and I'd love for you to be one of my students. There are four sessions. All four sessions are taught in the Atlanta metropolitan area. Session one is change dynamics. Session two is strategic growth. Session three is transformational management, and session four is communication and worship. There is one price for a team of four. I hope that you will come and join me. You can get all the information you need at the website, thenicl.com. That's T-H-E-N-I-C-L.com. Come and join me for a year that changes everything. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.